This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey friends, you are listening to episode 90 of Eco Chic. Eco Chic is a podcast all about practical science and sustainability. My name is Laura Diaz. I'm so happy to have you. And I can't believe I just said this is episode 90. This is really wild and really exciting. Thank you so much for joining. Thanks for coming back. If you're new, it's really nice to meet you. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to give everyone a little bit of a heads up. If you are a young professional, if you are in school, if you're trying to expand your education into some sort of environmental sphere, I talk very often about an immersive educational experience that I had a few summers ago at UIC, University of Illinois, Chicago. They have a Summer Institute for Sustainability and Energy, and it was a really impactful experience for me. It's a two-week boot camp style immersion program. The applications just opened up for this upcoming summer, and the theme is resiliency, and it sounds awesome and so interesting if you're interested in having an additional educational experience, if you're interested in exploring sustainability and energy in a really exciting immersion setting. I would love to recommend any of you guys to go check out UICSISE.com. I'm only really affiliated with the program in that I'm an alumni, but it was an awesome experience. I talk about it kind of often here on the show, so if you're interested in experiencing that, I would totally recommend that you check that out as well. Thanks for supporting the show, shoppingtotallyecochic.com for all of your sustainability supplies. And I also appreciate your ratings, reviews, subscriptions. It's awesome to have you listening along to the show. And I'm just so excited about the way that this year and the season is really shaping up for the podcast. I have some awesome, awesome guests coming through. And I'm really excited for us to just continue learning together and being the best environmentalist that we could possibly be. Today's episode is a fun one. We're speaking with Meredith Feynman of It Never Gets Old, a podcast about secondhand shopping. I first learned of It Never Gets Old through the Betches Sup podcast, and Betches Sup is a bi-weekly podcast about things that are happening in the news, in the political system, and I really, really enjoyed it. It comes out Mondays and Thursdays, and it's one of those podcasts that I personally really look out for because I think it's a really fun way to consume current events and current news. And every so often, they will have guests that are featured at the end of the show where they put in the interview at the end of their news portion recap for the week. They also have an awesome news newsletter that comes out every day around lunchtime. If you want to sign up for that, I really enjoy their newsletter. I think it's a great way to stay in touch. So I'll put that in the show notes if you're inclined. But anyway, this is not a plug for the Betches Sup podcast. That's just how I originally learned about Meredith and her work, and it never gets old. She is actually the author of a book coming out in May called Brag Better, Mastering the Art of Self-Promotion. I'm really looking forward to this book coming out because I think that's something that I personally struggle with, the idea that I don't want to like talk myself up too much or not talk myself up enough. So I think finding that balance will be an interesting thing to explore once Brag Better is released. 
But today we are talking with Meredith on the topic of luxury secondhand shopping. It Never Gets Old is a podcast where Meredith and her producer really dive into secondhand shopping and primarily secondhand shopping for luxury items or high-end items. I think that this is a really cool topic to get into because while we've talked about secondhand shopping and thrifting and even just buying better basics in the past, we've never really talked about it from a high-end angle. And the reason that I find this particularly interesting, something that I was talking to Meredith about before we actually started recording, was that I feel like the culture of social media has kind of normalized luxury goods in a sense, like children are being exposed to really high-end brands. When there are influencers, young people, people of status on the internet that are showing off all of these high-end bags and sneakers and whatever else it may be that is not really a normal purchase, it's encouraging the rest of us to think that we need to be like that. Whether or not you're subscribing to that mentality, it's kind of subliminally being infused into our culture. So I think that the idea of luxury goods and luxury shopping is becoming more and more prevalent. It's something that people want to partake in. It's a status symbol. And I'm not going to sit around and give this commentary like I've never wanted to participate in it. I think that there are some really beautiful luxury pieces that I would love to own. But at the same time, I'm trying to be conscious as a consumer. I'm trying to be smarter about where I spend my money. I'm trying to be smart about the brands that I support. And I think when we're talking about big ticket items, there are a lot of ways to combat those issues by shopping secondhand. And because I've never truly gotten into this world of luxury or high-end secondhand shopping, this was a really interesting conversation for me. Meredith has a lot of really tangible tips that she explains with examples. So for instance, when we talk about starting to look for luxury items, I just kind of wanted to open up the conversation. She took an example of an item that I've been looking at, and then she kind of walked me through what that process would look like if I was to purchase it secondhand. We talked about fakes and what it looks like to spot a fake item authentication and the processes and the things that you should really be looking out for and how people go about authenticating items. We talked about different sites and things that you can look for if you're shopping in store versus online. We also talked about the business of shopping secondhand and selling things secondhand. I thought this was a really interesting point because not too long ago we talked about minimalism with Erin of Booty Eco Wear. I will go ahead and link that episode in the show notes, but it was really good about cleaning out your closet and helping you start adopting a minimalist mindset. And Meredith refers to her closet as a sort of turnstile, the idea that she's buying items and reselling them and using those credits to continue buying luxury items. And I thought this was a really cool concept to touch on because while we are not directly talking about minimalism, she does really add to the idea that clothing is not necessarily something that you need to be emotionally attached to or handbags or skincare or whatever you are selling secondhand or buying at a luxury price. They're not necessarily things that you should be emotionally attached to. So there's nothing wrong with buying and selling and looking at secondhand shopping and the secondhand economy as a money-making opportunity. When you're looking at luxury items, there are a lot of pros and cons to buying secondhand versus buying in store. And when you're thinking about things like vegan leather versus regular leather, traditional leather from cows, it's really interesting to think about things like labor practices, water usage, waste from these brands. And Meredith really touches on a lot of things that I felt were interesting food for thought pieces. I'm someone who really likes a leather handbag or a leather wallet. I think they're really beautiful pieces and really timeless. They age really well, in my personal opinion, but I don't necessarily want to buy them 
firsthand because I don't want to be contributing to a leather economy or the animal cruelty aspect of it. Or if I want to really participate in ethical veganism, I wouldn't be buying leather brand new, like from a retail environment. So secondhand leather is an awesome way for me to feel like not only am I still getting a nice leather piece, but I am not necessarily buying vegan leather that oftentimes is made from different plastics. And Meredith and I also talk a little bit about fur and mink and just interesting points of contention that people may have when they are both on the consumer side and the business side of reselling things. So I had a lot of fun talking with Meredith. I hope you guys really, really enjoyed this conversation. Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. It's actually really fun. Meredith and I mentioned that we were both featured on the Apple Podcast Browse page for the last quarter, which I'm very thankful for. Thanks if you discovered us through there. So if you like this conversation and you want to get more tips and more specificity in these secondhand shopping topics that we're getting into today when it comes to luxury items, go ahead and check out Meredith's podcast. It never gets old. If you're interested in staying in touch and getting a lot of environmental news, more updates on the podcast, things like that, you can definitely sign up for our newsletter, totallyecochic.com. There's a little pop-up that says newsletter, and you can also find us on social media instagram at eco chic podcast and also on facebook eco chic i will be sending out stickers this upcoming week so that's the very best way to get in touch if you're interested in getting some stickers and then my personal page at laura e diaz is also always in the show notes if you want to reach out with that i hope you really love this conversation with meredith Feynman of it never gets old all about luxury secondhand shopping Meredith, I'm really excited to be talking to you today. Before we get into the conversation, I would love for you to introduce your show, It Never Gets Old, a little bit and give a little bit of context on yourself as a thrifter. Hello, Eco Chic audience. I'm Meredith Feynman. I am the creator and host of It Never Gets Old, a firsthand account of all things secondhand and sustainable, which is a podcast about the resale, secondhand, thrift, vintage, pre-loved, whatever you want to call it, economy, multi-billion dollar industry, and something I've been participating in for 20 years. I began secondhand shopping with my mother when I was 11 or 12, maybe even younger, and I got hooked and In the two decades since, I have taught so many people to do this, made a ton of money on my wardrobe, and it wasn't until a couple years ago that I also realized the sustainability aspects of what I was doing and how recycling clothing is so important on a lot of different angles, whether you're buying it, whether you're selling it, whether you're donating it and it's getting reworn or you're getting rid of stuff and it's being recycled sustainably, all of that stuff really matters. And I am very excited to be here. I also run a communications business called Fine Point, my book, Brag Better, all about the power of self-promotion, particularly for women, not only for women, is out in May. And no, really, really excited to be talking to you, Laura, and thrilled that we both got the awesome opportunity to be featured on Apple Podcasts, um, which if you're listening, like I'm not sure if we reiterate enough, I don't think I do, how much your feedback and ratings and reviews really makes a difference to us podcasters. So please be sure to do that. Thank you for that little rundown, and I appreciate uh, you pointing out. I've never really acknowledged like publicly on this platform yet that we were featured on the Conscious Consumerism theme on the Apple Podcast app, which was just such a cool opportunity, and I'm glad we were able to kind of meet each other that way and connect, because I don't think I've ever also spoken to another podcaster on my podcast. I love having guests, but I don't think I've had another 
podcast host here. So I'm excited about this and it's exciting that if anyone really enjoys this conversation, they can go ahead and dive deep into your show and get more information. With that, I would love to start talking a little bit about thrifting and high-end thrifting. When we are talking about buying luxury high-end items secondhand, what are some of the like really basic things that we want to start thinking about? If you're looking for a particular item or a particular brand, how do you really just start when you're looking for a high-end item secondhand? People get really overwhelmed. One of the reasons why I started It Never Gets Old was that I wanted everyone to know this like sort of loophole that I had found, which was that I have incredibly expensive taste. I've always loved fashion, designer fashion, and I wanted to be able to get those things. And you can get them for drastically, drastically less if someone else has worn them or purchased them first. But also you are contributing to, you know, the closed loop of fashion, as we call it. So I think that what's interesting, and I talk about this on the show and as a writer, the industry hasn't quite figured out, the secondhand industry, like a multi-billion dollar industry, I think I just saw something in the business of fashion yesterday that it's going to be about 23 billion by 2025. I need to fact check that. Point is, this is a huge industry, but the industry hasn't totally figured out the vernacular. So, you know, you're calling it thrifting. Some people think that thrifting is only for like vintage t-shirts or Goodwill, call it whatever you want, secondhand, vintage, resale, consignment. They all have slightly different meanings, but everybody's like using it as a catch-all. So I would say... If you're looking for something luxury, and I talk about this constantly on the podcast, it's a huge issue in the industry, is fakes. So one of the first things, if you are looking for a luxury item that I tell everyone is you need to be really careful of fakes. I'm fascinated by the world. It's a dark world. Basically, anything that can be made and is desired, particularly that obviously pertains to designer items, can be fake. So I always want people to watch out for that and really know your sources, especially if you're new. Like I've been doing this for so long. I've helped people authenticate things, but if you're new to it, that's the first thing you need to be very careful of for several reasons. One, you don't want to get scammed. Even I've gotten scammed um, out of a lot of money for a dumb deal I tried to do on a Chanel bag. Don't do that. You know, it's also that then it has no resale value. You don't know where it's coming from. Something, Laura, I think you'd probably be interested in as well is you know, there's a lot to be said about sustainable fashion and resale and recycling and the closed loop of fashion. But something I also really care about and want to cover a lot in 2020 is labor practices, materials, like sustainability is way more than buying something secondhand. And sometimes if you're buying something firsthand, but the labor practices are better weighing your options. Let's start with an example. Laura, can you give me an example of a designer object that maybe you're interested in? And I will break it down from there and, and sort of tell you where to start. Ooh, okay. So this is going to be a fun exercise. I really have my eye on those teeny uh, Louis Vuitton like key wallet things. You know what I'm talking about? Those like keychain. Yes, yes, uh, yes. Card holder things. It's a good example. So I have people do this because I actually have a subscription where people can basically ask me for things that I've been hunting for stuff and it just registers in my brain. So like anytime I see one of those, I used to have one that had the little cherries on it, which was a Murakami um, collaboration with Louis Vuitton that now is actually very expensive. Anyway, the point is, I'm glad you asked about Louis Vuitton because Louis Vuitton is, I watch brands like people watch the stock market, but Louis Vuitton, I think more than honestly any other brand, even Chanel, holds value and is desired for resale and proliferates everywhere more than any other brand. And 
the fakes in Louis Vuitton have gotten so good that in China, according to some sources, people buy fake Louis Vuitton instead of the real one, the highest end fake, because it's better quality. I'm not advocating you do that. I'm just saying that Louis Vuitton, if you're looking for Louis Vuitton, like it is the most fake thing. So I tell a lot of people to stick to the real real. I have my own issues with the real real, but I will say I still, you know, I'm a fan and I've been a longtime seller with them and buyer. So I would start by looking at the real real. Why? Because the real real is the only site online, I'll start with online, that authenticates. So it's going to be more expensive, but they also have a return policy if like you decide you don't like it or it doesn't fit your keys or whatever. I would start there because you know it's going to be real. Now, as they scale, like I have a lot to say about like how I think they're going to be able to maintain that level of authenticity. And it's just a huge question in the industry, but I would start there. Then if you don't like what you see, you can also try places like a Trade Z. You can try Depop, which I don't use as much, Poshmark. So once you get into Poshmark, here's the issue with um, the item you're looking for. That's going to be under $500. So Poshmark is my favorite place on the internet because it's one of the only platforms where you can bid. And I love nothing more than like haggling. A lot of people really don't like that. So, you know, whether that's your thing or not, but Poshmark will authenticate anything over $500. So that's just something to watch out for. Feel free to ask any sellers online for more pictures, for pictures of, sometimes people are even asking for pictures of receipts, like more photos. I want to see the stitching. I want to see the key ring. Um, I want to see the zipper. I want to see like all of those sorts of things. So that's where I would start online. And then offline, you have a lot of different options too, going into stores, looking around, seeing, you know, at, you can always, one, one thing I love so much and I talk about on the podcast is I love going to consignment stores in real life. I grew up in these stores. I was a teenager sitting in there buying and selling and talking to the store owners. And they're really interesting people, often older women, second, third career. And you can always ask them to look out for that for you because that is an object that comes through a lot of different stores. So that's sort of like where I would start with it, if that is comprehensive enough. Yes, absolutely. And you gave me a lot of good perspective also with Poshmark. I didn't realize when you're buying something secondhand that there are so many options for authenticating items. So if I was looking for a wallet, let's say less than $500, I don't necessarily want to buy it on a Poshmark because it's such a small item. If Correct me if I'm wrong, but if I was buying a proper large bag, that would be a great thing to have authenticated online over $500. So I think that's also really interesting to think about pricing. And I'm glad that you mentioned things holding value and certain brands holding value. If you are someone getting into the space and just kind of dipping your toes into shopping for vintage pieces and secondhand luxury items, what would be like a really easy category to start getting yourself into? Is bags and wallets like a good place to start or should it be clothing? Or I know sometimes you even talk about skincare. What is like a really easy category to start getting yourself familiar with this market? You can kind of start anywhere you want. I think that bags is a great place to start. Bags are also often expensive enough that varying places do authenticate them. I'm trying to think if there's like a particularly easy entry point. It's like whatever you're into. I tell people to pick one object. Like what's one thing you have always wanted, but you thought was potentially out of your reach financially or that like what's just like a designer object you've always coveted and start there and look secondhand. Louis Vuitton in particular, 
you're not necessarily going to get the best deal because it does retain value. As I said, I think honestly more than any other brand out there, but you are buying it secondhand, which means it's a significantly more sustainable practice. And like, that's a great place to dip your toe in. I will also tell people if you're feeling overwhelmed, go to high end consignment boutiques that are well organized. You know, like you don't have to paw through a pile of vintage t-shirts, nose diving into all that sort of stuff. A lot of high-end consignment boutiques now are working to resemble just regular boutiques. So I tell people to start with a more organized store, a higher-end store that has some, you know, that's just not quite as thrifty or has as many objects in it, or just starting with one category in a store. So if you happen to be in an overwhelming vintage store, like start with denim and just work on that section and then leave. Like sometimes I have to do that too. I think that's a good idea. I feel like, yes, I would be more comfortable in a physical store because I can see what it is that I'm looking for and I can think a little bit more about it. I feel like when I am shopping online, I'll kind of look at an item and maybe I'll add it to my cart and forget about it. Or I'll look at it too long and kind of psych myself out. I'll say this is out of reach. Or even like with this wallet, it's a leather item. So I think a lot about leather too in the idea that I want to buy it secondhand because there are a lot of animal rights issues around leather. So I'm always thinking about like, is this something that I really want to participate in? I kind of psych myself out a little bit. So I think that yes, shopping in a store would be like way more up my alley. And I would also love to hear a little bit about experiences that you've had. If there's like one item, I'm sure people ask you all the time, like what's the best thing that you've ever thrifted secondhand? Oh boy. Okay. So it's interesting, the sustainability aspect of this when it comes to leather and fur um, and how people feel. I have friends that are vegan that will, you know, buy secondhand leather and fur. That's what I do personally. And I think that I hate to say this, but it's already dead. And I think that that is kind of important. Also, there's a lot of conversation And I'm sure you see this more in what you're dealing with, because I feel like you're very tactically in the sustainability space and industry. But, you know, just because something's vegan leather, sometimes those practices can be more harmful chemical-wise, water-waste-wise than buying the real thing. Now, that is a controversial statement, and that is something that a lot of brands will fight you on. There is a lot of conversation around like vegan alternatives and whether they actually are more sustainable. So I think that people beat themselves up a lot about the stuff and wanting to buy vegan alternatives. I think that sometimes, I mean, certainly the animal piece you can't argue with, but from a sustainability standpoint, like is something to keep in mind. Now I'm trying to think of like some of my best objects or my favorite things. There's one jacket in particular that I always talk about. It wasn't like a particularly great quote unquote margin, um, which is like sort of the differential between what I paid for and what it retails for, which I'm always obviously trying to go for the highest margin possible. And then sometimes I do this thing where I've been selling for so long that I'm like, shit, I love this thing I bought, but I have to sell it because I know I can make a bunch of money on it. And I'm like, no. And people are like, you know, you like don't have to get rid of it. I'm like, no, I have to. Like I have to, I have to make money Um, because I've just gotten so obsessive. But I would say probably my favorite thing is this frame denim jacket. Frame is just like a popular denim brand. And for fashion week one year, they did gifted, which means they gave them to like influencers and celebrities. They did these dinners and they made these custom frame fashion week jackets with like patches all over them and they never sold them. And like, I remember seeing the photos from fashion week and these dinners and being like, oh my God, that jacket's amazing. I want to buy it, but they never sold it. And I walked into one of my favorite high-end consignment stores in New York called Ina. I always send people there if you're in New York and um, someone had consigned one and 
that I loved was super rad. I love things like that that never never were sold. Is like a, a particular high end hack of mine. Oh, I love that. That's really fun because that's kind of like the treasure hunt aspect of shopping secondhand that I love. Like you really never know what you're going to find, especially if you go to a store with an open mind. Like if you're not looking for something specific, like my little key wallet thing, you can really be surprised by what you find. And I feel like that's so, that's so much fun. I think it's also kind of like a slippery slope for me personally, because I just like get way too into it. But I love that treasure. Yeah, I mean, why do you think I have this podcast? Why (laughs) do you think I have turned this into a, I mean, I mean, that's literally what happened. And I've been doing it for so long. I have so much knowledge on it that now I advise VCs and I consult on the industry and I have this podcast because I'm like sitting here with this insane wealth of information. But it's funny, I'm like an odd millennial and that I don't really like shopping online. So as much as I am like very pro the democratization of secondhand and something like the real real or a grailed or thread up, which is like an online thrift store. I still love going into the physical stores. So that at least curbs me a little bit, but yeah, it's a, for me, it's a full contact sport. I can definitely see that happening. And I would also love to hear a little bit about the selling that you do. I would love to hear the business of the other side. So we've talked a little bit about buying luxury items, vintage and secondhand, What's the process like for you to sell one of these pieces? Is there anything that is not really worth selling that you hold on to? I thought it was really interesting how earlier you compared secondhand shopping and looking at brands the way that people look at the stock market. I would love to kind of hear about the business side. Yeah, so I have been selling as long as I've been buying. I was literally late to do this interview because I was in the middle of a deal over an acne leather jacket I was selling for a pair of Valentino boots. I'm very sorry. This is one thing that I really want people to take away is like a lot of people have gotten on board with buying secondhand, but I'm sort of like, you can make money on anything in your closet. People don't believe me. Even like dust bags, the bags that like a fancy pair of shoes or handbags come in, people will buy those individually. I've seen people selling like Chanel hangers. Every piece is available to sell. Now, I am a huge advocate of donating. I think that it's really important. There are a lot of people in need. But I also want people to realize I treat my closet like a turnstile. And it's less about sort of the, I've made money on a lot of things, but it's also just so that I can continue my shopping problem is sort of taking the credit and then spending it out, you know, sort of just that like circular idea. So selling is a lot more work than buying. However, if you have high-end brands you can very easily sell them to the real real. So the two places where it's the least amount of work, I'll do least amount of work to most amount of work. The real real, they have a very limited number of brands, but basically all you do is you go on their website and you plug in your stuff and you print out the label and you find a box and you just stick it on there. It's prepaid and you send it to them. Thread up is similar in that they send you bags um, and you send your stuff. You know, neither of them gives you the most amount of money at all, but they're the least amount of work. Like that's the trade-off. Then any of the other sites, the Ebays, the Poshmarks, the Depops, the Tradesy, you are the salesperson. So it is more work. However, it's significantly more money. So like, for example, an acne leather jacket is something that a lot of people really want. It retails for probably $1,600. They hold a ton of value. So they resell for almost a thousand, let's say. The real real, if I send it to them, will list it for $1,000 and I might get 50% of that. So I get $500. But if I do the work and do it on Poshmark, Poshmark only takes 20% and I got $800. So for me, for higher value items, bigger ticket items, I will try to sell them myself so I get more money. But you can always start also by taking your stuff to a local consignment store or a local resale store. What's the difference between consignment and resale? 
Resale means someone's buying it from you on the spot and giving you cash or store credit. So it's going to be significantly less. So like, let's say I take that same acne leather jacket in to a resale shop. They might price it at $400 and give me 200 bucks, but I have the 200 bucks on me. Now, if I took that same jacket to a consignment store, consignment basically means that something is on loan. I'm loaning them this acne leather jacket. Let's say they price it at $1,000 and I get usually the split depends, but it's usually around 50-50. If they sell it in eight weeks, I get $500. If they don't, I have to come pick it up. I'm throwing a lot of information at you, but that's just like some basic things you can do off the bat. It ends up getting really addicting. I appreciate you breaking that down because I really, first of all, didn't know the difference between resale and consignment. And even the word vintage, I feel like is a little sticky sometimes because there isn't always a very clear difference in my head to vintage as opposed to just secondhand, as opposed to retail. So so that's what I was saying at the beginning. The industry hasn't figured out the lingo properly because they actually mean different things. So I just told you the difference between resale and consignment. Thrift is usually donation-based. So that means a goodwill, you don't, you don't get any money for it. You get a tax write-off. And then they price that stuff extremely low and then it goes to a charitable cause. Some of my favorite thrift stores are like for church causes or women's organizations where people donate stuff. They don't get any money for it. They get a tax write-off. And then you buy the stuff for very little. So that's what thrift means. Vintage technically is 20 years or older. If you're a very serious like catalog or collector, technically it's around 20 years or older. So the stuff that I'm talking about is mostly like high-end, second-hand designer consignment. So second-hand means anything, second-hand. People have been using the term pre-loved, which I don't love. I think it's just like a silly saccharine name for something that's like second-hand. But I think for a long time, people were not open to that concept. So people had to sort of create their own vernacular to make it sound more appealing. But yes, all these terms mean actually slightly different things. Got it. Got it. Got it. Wow. Thank you so much for that because I've always kind of wondered. I think that a lot of people wonder, and especially as secondhand fashion and shopping secondhand for a lot of these higher end, more coveted pieces becomes more normal and becomes an activity that people want to participate more and more. I think it's really easy to kind of get caught up in the shininess of it, the trendiness of shopping secondhand and shopping sustainably. Now that there is so much buzz, it's really easy to kind of get tricked or finessed into buying something or believing that a particular brand or a particular item is more sustainable or more valuable than it truly is. That's where it gets really, really tricky. Like with It Never Gets Old, I aim to educate, I aim to have fun, I aim to share my vast amount of knowledge so you can get cool shit for less money or make some money on your closet. And then by proxy, like be more sustainable. But it's funny because, I mean, the industry is freaking out about it. When I say the industry, I mean the fashion industry. They're like, oh, fuck. Like people are now buying all this like luxury stuff on the real real instead of walking into the Dior store. Like what are we going to do? So a lot of brands like really have to contend with that. And it's funny, I saw an interesting article that was, you know, sort of like, well, if you're selling stuff secondhand to then buy something new, like, is it really more sustainable? And I was like, did a new store write that article? Like, because a lot of brands are concerned. They're very concerned about like whether or not people are going to buy new things. And I think because of that, it's just like sticky waters right now. And all of these like major fashion brands are going to have to get on board with more sustainable processes and products. For a long time in France, it was legal to like basically Chanel Couture, if they didn't sell it, they would literally light it on fire. Like that's how much they did not want to discount their products. 
not to mention like pollution and waste and like all of those sorts of things. It's a major, major inflection point in the industry. I have heard that before about luxury brands just lighting things on fire or throwing things away as opposed to discounting them. And that is always so hard to hear. I feel like I saw an article about it a few months ago and it really stuck with me because it kind of got me thinking, you mentioned earlier, fur and fur fashion. It got me thinking about this early 2000s movement, this PETA movement where people were going to fashion shows and just throwing cans of paint onto fur coats. I understand your message, but does that really solve the problem? Like an animal still died for that coat and now it can't even be sold. So I think that talking about processes and talking about the trends in the industry and like how the fashion economy is really changing is a really interesting thing to watch out for. And I'd love to revisit this as a topic in a few years and just see how much things have really shifted. Totally. And that's my thing. That's why I was saying like, great to think about leather. It's great to think about fur. I am a huge animal lover, but also getting really big on labor practices in 2020, fair wages, fair hours, benefits for employees. Like I think that there's so much more to this quote unquote sustainability of brands you're participating in, whether they're new or secondhand, how much water they're using, how they recycle their waste. And particularly like I've gotten really strong around labor practices. This is a whole other conversation, but things like Amazon, which I we all participate in, and those labor practices and the amount of waste with boxes, like brands are catching on, but there's so much more than just like, you know, the leather fur, like how much packaging there is. The industry is really, it needs to contend with all these things. And something that really frustrates me that I'm sure you think about a lot too is what is the onus on the consumer? How smart can you be? And then honestly, like how much do these corporations like really have to make the changes? I'm not convinced that if I get everyone I know to use a swell water bottle, that doesn't mean that Deer Park isn't like watching their asses. No, you're totally right. And that also got me thinking about the items that people are consuming that they don't realize are participating in these less ethical practices, let's say. Like the one that I was actually thinking of when you were talking about animal products and fur and leather was eyelashes. Fake eyelashes, I didn't realize that so many of them were done with mink, which is probably a a very silly thing to say, but I didn't realize until recently how many eyelashes really have mink. Eyelashes are kind of having a moment right now in the makeup industry. So it kind of got me thinking about all of these items that people are buying and consuming that they don't even realize are adding to all of these different issues that maybe they're already advocating against. So it definitely got me thinking. I don't know. I think a lot about what the onus is on the consumer. You and I have started projects that educate people and that are topics we're excited about and help people understand. But I don't think it's by coincidence that brands and big companies make it difficult to understand or whether like they're talking to me before we start recording about, you know, trying to find resources. And that's why you started this podcast. The powers that are also making this hard. And I just don't think it's only about metal straws. Like that's why I always tell people, and that's important, yes, but I think that it's about doing good where you can, but then also thinking about bigger brands and where you put your money and, and who you give to. And if it's about eyelashes or it's about fair wage, like I think those are both deeply tied to sustainability. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Meredith Feynman of It Never Gets Old. Don't forget to rate and review and subscribe if you're interested in checking out Meredith's podcast, It Never Gets Old. It's available wherever you listen to podcasts. I hope you're having an awesome week and I will talk to you really soon. Seeking the truth never gets old. 
Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.